Whenever you uh, read those words, God is light, uh, we kind of have to stop and pause and give some consideration to exactly what does that mean? How does that relate to us? And in the scriptures, oftentimes we think about light as being that which is truth, that which is pure, that which is holy. But at the same time, as we think about those things, then God is light. And then we kind of have to think now, how do I connect? <laughs> how do I make that connection to that, that statement? Well, we're going to explore that this morning. It was in last week's class period that I spent a fair amount of time in talking about this first letter of John, 1 John, and talking about God is light, God is love, and God is life. And the first part of that, God is light. That's what we want to kind of bore down on this morning. So to help us to understand what that means, how that relates to us, we're going to back up to the Old Testament, to the, God, or to the book of Psalms. And so if you want to turn to Psalms 19, that's where we're going to begin this morning, that God is light. And uh, I'll put that introduction slide up there for us to take a look at. So three points. All light comes from God. We'll notice that from Psalms. What light does, and then light triumphs over darkness. That's what we'll give consideration to this morning. And first of all, all light comes from God. So from Psalms, the 19th chapter. Now I want to let you know also that most times I preach from the New King James Version. And then in my study, I keep the ESV, the English Standard Version. I keep the Revised Standard Version. I keep the New American Standard Version. But I also keep the NLT. <laughs> now, the New Living Translation is a little bit more of a thought for thought than it is a word for word. But sometimes whenever you read from this particular translation, it's words, language that is used that makes the thought a little bit more easy to grasp. So this morning, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation as I go through this, and it may be a little bit different than the translation you're looking at, but I'll kind of explain as we go along and why I'm using this. Psalms 19, verse 1 and 2. The heavens tell the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. What's the psalmist saying? Take a look at creation. Take a look at the heavens. It tells you something about God. Now, in the very first verse, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And that word glory is kind of a scriptural type word that we read there a lot of times, or in various places when the scriptures a lot of times, but we don't use it that much in everyday language. So one of the definitions of that word glory, to help us to understand what is being said there, the heavens declare the glory of God. Glory means... Honor which is given based upon an accomplishment. Honor which is given based upon an accomplishment. So I'll give you a sports illustration. 
Do you know who the person was that first broke the four-minute mile? Got to reach back a ways to get that one, don't you? That was Roger Bannister. First man, 1954, to break the four-minute mile barrier. Now, you can read about that to this day. You can read about when that took place. You can look up that stat, that plaque that is given in honor of him for that accomplishment. And you could say, that's his glory. That tells you something about him. This is something that he did, something that he accomplished. Now listen again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. See what the psalmist is saying? That's his glory. That's his honor. Take a look at that. It tells you something about him. That's the statement that Paul makes in Romans, the first chapter also. That ever since the creation, it tells us something about his divine power and Godhead. It tells you about his power. It tells you about his intelligence. As you look at creation, that's what Paul's saying. That's what the psalmist is saying. But now I want to skip down to the latter part of verse 4 and then I'm going to read through verse 6. Latter part of verse 4. The sun lives in the heavens. Some translations say it's set in the tabernacle. The sun lives in the heavens where God placed it. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. Now let me explain a little further. The psalmist begins by saying, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now down in verse 4, he says, let me give you an illustration. (laughs) Take a look at the sun. Out of all the heavens, out of all the heavenly bodies, and everything that you see out there, let me give you this example now. Take a look at the sun. And the psalmist is saying, God has placed it. (laughs) Some translations say in that tabernacle. The New Living Translation says, He placed it in the sky. (laughs) And that tells you something about God. And it tells you something about his power. And it tells you something about his intelligence. It tells you something about his wisdom. Here's a light that God has given. And it benefits all the earth. Nothing is hidden from its heat. See, sometimes we read that and we think, ah, sunburn. and he's saying no nothing is hidden from that warmth that heat that benefit it brings it to the whole earth so what I want you to understand is this 
that God uses things even in nature to point to Him. Here's something physical, but it tells you something about God. And then the psalmist picks out the sun, that light, and he says, look at this. It comes up in the morning. It travels its course just the way God designed it, just the way He made it, and nothing hides from its heat. It brings benefit to the whole world. That's that light. Whole earth dependent upon it. You ever heard of photosynthesis? Probably so. Biology. Plant takes sunlight, turns it into energy, and that's why it gives it life. Something else comes along and eats that plant, and it gives it life. And so it goes up the food chain. But it starts with that light. And so the psalmist has said, look at this. This is an example. And it tells you something about God. It tells you about His intelligence. tells you about His power. tells you about His wisdom. I want to read to you from John the 8th chapter. The Gospel of John. 8th chapter. And verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness and have the light of life. Different type of light. So the psalmist is first talking about the sun and physical light. Now uh, Jesus says in John, I'm the light of the world. And he who walks with me does not walk in darkness and he'll have the light of life. So the reason why I bring that up is this. In the first seven verses of Psalms 19, it's talking about physical light. But now in verse 7, he's going to make a transition. He's going to talk about another type of light. Watch what he says in Psalms 19 and verse 7 through 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. So immediately following this Example in this teaching about the light, the sun. Now the psalmist makes a transition. And he talks about another light. It's the light of God's Word and how that brings instruction and light to life. Let 
in verse 7 and 8 he says it's perfect some translations say it's complete in verse 7 he says it is sure that means it is trustworthy and, and can you see the contrast that the psalmist is making he talks about the sun and he talks about it being set and it talks about the course that it follows and now he starts talking about God's word and then he starts talking about how trustworthy it is let me ask you this do you ever tell somebody you were going to do something or you were talking about somebody else and they were going to do something and you would say I'm sure that I'll do it or I'm sure that they will do it just as sure as the sun comes up in the morning, I'm sure they're going to do it. You ever say that? Heard that? That's what the psalmist is saying. Look at the sun. And you count on it. And it comes up every day. And now he transitions to God's word and he says it's true, it's sure, it's trustworthy. You can count on that. And he goes on to say that it's clear. Some translations say that it's pure. You know what that's saying? (laughs) It's saying the very same thing that John says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. And what John says in verse chapter 1 and verse 5 is, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And so what he's saying about God's word is, it's sure, it's clear. You can trust it, count on it, it's trustworthy, and there's no darkness there. It's not going to let you down. Verse 9 through 11. Reverence for the Lord, reverence for the Lord is pure. That means reliable. You can count on the Lord. Lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to those who hear them. There is great reward for those who obey them. Reverence for the Lord is pure. It's reliable. So revere Him. His laws are true. They are to be desired. And he goes on to say they are a warning and they are a reward. What should you watch out for? And if you follow them, it's to your benefit. Let me ask you another question. You ever get discouraged with the world? Do you ever kind of stop and think this world is getting darker every day? You ever think that? I think that. In verse 7, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. NLT says, reviving the soul. 
So sometimes when you get to looking around the world and you get kind of discouraged about the way things are going, you read God's Word and it's like, there's still hope. Isn't there? There's still hope. And it's reviving the soul. And then further down he says, these are more desirable than honey. Isn't that true? And it's sweeter than the honeycomb. So thankful. I'm not going to go off into a tangent here, but I'm going to tell you something I saw this week, and after I finished watching it, I wanted to take a sharp stick and start poking myself in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know a guy by the name of John Sienna? James, you ought to know this guy. (laughs) He's an ex-professional wrestler. I think he's been hit in the head with a chair too many times. (laughs) He has this commercial out now. It talks about patriotism. It talks about America. And then he tops it all off by talking about love. I was so disgusted by the time he finished. He redefines patriotism. He redefines America. And then worst of all, he redefines love. I was thankful I was working on this lesson. (laughs) That God is light. Because that's what's happening in America today. They are taking things and redefining them and twisting them. But you come back to God's word and you find the light. And you can make it through the darkness. Psalms 12, or Psalms 19 and verse 12 through 14. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know what the psalmist is saying now? Just like the sun shines light on the world, God's word shines light on the world so we can see what's going on. But you know what else it does? It shines light in us. And he says, let me know the sins that are lurking in my heart. And so that's what, that's what God's word does for us. Shows us life, shows us the world, and shows us ourselves. So as I look at that, How can I be kept back from the sins of the world? It's through, it's through God's Word. How can I be kept back from my own sins? It's through God's Word. How can I be motivated to serve Him? It's, it's through His Word. And in Psalms 119 and 105, the psalmist says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet 
and it's a light into my path. It'll show me where to travel, where I should walk in this world. And so from Psalms 19, what I just wanted you to see from that is just very simply this. Light comes from God. Physically, God brings light. Spiritually, God brings light. And so that's what the psalmist does. First six verses, and then he transitions at verse 7. So now then, what light does? So we, we think about 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. And God is light, and God gives light. And that light, John will go on to say, is life. But as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's like, i got to find a way to, to grasp that. <laughs> kind of wrap my mind around it to make an application to my life so I can relate to this fact that, that God is light. And one of the ways I believe that it helps me, maybe it will help you too, I hope so, is when I think about what light does. When I think about what light does, then that helps me to relate to it and how it applies to my life. So one of the very first things that light does, and most obvious, is, is that light reveals. That it illuminates. And we think about that on a physical plane, physical level. And we think about, as the psalmist says, that the sun, it gives light to this world, to this earth. It warms it. And things grow. And because they do, we survive and we thrive because of that. And, and so we think about on how many different levels the light that God has given, the sun, touches our lives. Well, what the sun is on a physical level, God is on a spiritual level. And we need to stop and think about that on how many different levels God touches our life. I'm going to give you just some quick examples. Because we could spend a long time just, just talking about that. So on a spiritual level, how did I get here? Because there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of men, that will tell you different stories and theories and all kinds of things about how you got here. Genesis 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning God created. That's, that's how I got here. That's light. That changes the way I think. And then beyond that, I think about, well, if, if, if I'm here because God made me, what am I doing here? We talked about Ecclesiastes last week, just a little bit in the final verses of chapter 12. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole. Some translations say this is the whole duty. I like the translation that says this is the whole of man. Because that's what we are. 
We are created by God in His image. We are physical, but we are spiritual. And recognizing that, we are whole. This is the whole of man. And if God made me, and I'm created in His image, and I'm here to serve Him, then that leads to the third question. What happens when this life is over? And Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 5, that we shall all give an account for the things which we have done in the body, whether they be good or bad. I know how I got here. I know what I'm doing here. I know what's going to happen when this life is over. And on those levels, God's light touches, affects my life. So light reveals. I want to tell you something else. Over the centuries, we've learned, man has learned a lot about light. We've studied it, we've analyzed it, we've broken it down. We've illuminated with it. We've x-rayed with it. We've laser beamed with it. We've measured with it. We've timed with it. And I'll touch on all those quickly in just a moment so that you can kind of grasp that. But the most, most basic thing is, the most basic characteristic about light is that we have revealed, we have illuminated with it. We recognize that. That's what light does. You walk into a dark room at night or maybe you get up out of bed at night and it's dark and you stub your toe. And maybe you say Thomas Edison (laughs) or something else. But you're thankful for light because light reveals. And that's what John's talking about also. God is light. God reveals. He reveals the world, but He reveals me too. You remember Hebrews 4? talking about God's Word in about verse 12. That it is live and active and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So God's Word helps me to see the world. God's Word also helps me to see and hear. And so God's Word Reveals. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about those who would follow him. Sanctify them, set them apart 
through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word makes a separation between those who are God's children and those who are not. God, or the world wants to change the way we judge. That's John Siena. <laughs> Sometimes the world will tell you, you can't judge. <laughs> That's unloving. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said in John the 7th chapter in verse 24. That you are to judge. But you're not to judge just based upon appearance. He goes on to say, judge with righteous judgment. In other words, use God's judgment to make your decisions, your judgments. That's how you judge. Not just on your own opinions or the world's, but based upon God's truth. And so God's Word reveals the world. God's Word reveals what's in my heart. And so He opens our eyes and our minds to understand the world, self, others. And through that light, it comes into focus. It reveals. Let me tell you something else that light does. Light measures. We got a door back there. That you may notice from time to time when it comes closed, it clunks. Or it hits, or it doesn't even totally go closed. So while I'm here during the week, I tinker with it from time to time. It's got some issues that needs to be fixed permanently, but (laughs) I patch it up from Sunday to Sunday. So then it comes closed. If you stand on the outside of that door and you look at the frame, you will notice that at one side there at the top, it's a little wider than it is at the bottom. That door is, there's a carpenter's term, (laughs) it's out of plumb. Light tells me the gap is bigger at the top than it is at the bottom. I can see that. Light measures. You drive down the road and you may see some guys out there working alongside the highway and they've got a tripod and they got this little instrument on top of it. Surveyors. And they use light to measure elevations and angles and ups and downs and rights and left. Light measures. If you want to travel in outer space, with Tesla or whoever that guy is, Elon Musk. You know how we measure distance in space? It's not by miles. The universe is too big for that. (laughs) So we measure in light years. How far does light travel in a year? So light measures God measures Revelation the 11th chapter talking about this in class this morning weren't we (laughs) Revelation 11 and verse 1 then I was given a reed 
like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. You know what I'm saying? Measure the temple. Measure the altar. Measure the people who worship there. God's standard, because He's the light, and measure those things according to His standard. So light reveals, and light measures. And then one other thing. Light gives energy. It's what the sun does. And as you think about light, and as you think about what it does, this is probably one of the most dramatic, this is probably one of the most fantastic elements about light, most fascinating, at least it is to me. Because light energizes, light activates, light motivates, light I like the King James Version. Light quickens. It gives life. So let me give you another illustration. I like mornings. The older you get, the less you sleep. I get up early. It's still dark. And from the bedroom, I shuffle through the great room and out towards the kitchen. And I can smell the coffee because we got one of those timer things, you know, that comes on. But it's dark. And as I shuffle towards that coffee pot, the dog is there in the laundry room asleep and he hears me and I hear him rustle up and I let him out and go and open the back door and he goes out and then we have all those blinds over the sink. You turn and it kind of like Venetian type blinds, I think. And in a little while, light starts to come in. And then you look out. And maybe you start to see the birds. There may be a squirrel going across there. The neighbor's dog is barking. And pretty soon I may hear a car go by. Mornings, I like mornings. And the world is slowly waking up. And the sun brings that, doesn't it? And here comes life again with the light. And it motivates and it energizes and it quickens. And you know what else it does? Once again, it glorifies God every new day. There's that sun right where he put it. I can count on it. And it's going to warm the earth. And it's going to wake up. And there's going to be life. Because he made it the way it was supposed to be. And he wakens it up out of darkness. Spiritually, the same thing happens. Over in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation called out of darkness into His marvelous light. 
Peter says, that's, as Christians, that's who you are. And you've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Paul says over in Ephesians, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, He quickens the dead. He brings life to it once again. And you know what happens when that happens? Once again, humanity brings glory to Him the way He designed it. Because sin plunged it into darkness. But through His Son, who is the light, Jesus says in John 8, I'm the light of the world. He can quicken them from the dead. And once again, they recognize who they belong to and bring glory to Him. God is light. He reveals. God is light. He measures. God is light. He brings life. Last point. Light triumphs over darkness. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3, and in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12, and verse 3, chapter 1 and verse 3, John says, That which we have seen and that which we have heard, we declare to you so that you might have fellowship with us. Verse Two, he said the life was made manifest. Verse 3, so that you might have fellowship with us. So you might share in that. And in chapter 5 and verse 12, he said that I have written these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. John's writing, so you may know you have life and that you might share in it. And this is the life, this is the light that triumphs over darkness. Now, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1 and verse 5, that's why I wanted that read this morning. He says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The Greek word that is used there, some translations say overcome. Some translations say comprehend. The NLT, and I'll refer to it again, says it did not extinguish it. That's why I prefer did not overcome it. Because if you think about comprehend, it's like, well, they just didn't understand. Well, they didn't understand Jesus, did they? But more importantly than that, they did not overcome Him. They did not extinguish that light that had come into the world. And backing up to verse 4, it says, In Him was life, and this life was the light of men. 
If you turn over to the 12th chapter in about verse 35 and 36, Jesus says, if you walk in this light, the darkness will not overtake you. And in verse 36, he says, believe in the light so that you might become sons of light. Walk in this light and the darkness will not overtake you. Believe in the light so that you might become sons of light. And in 1 John, he says, this life was eternal. In chapter 5, I write so that you might know that you have eternal life. It was manifest. You can have it. You can share in it. And it's eternal. But now I want to share something else with you as we kind of start to bring this to a close. Because Jesus is that light. He is that life. You walk in that light. And the darkness won't overtake you. You walk in this light. Believe in that light so that you can become sons of light. In John chapter 10. In verse 17 and 18. Therefore my Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from the Father. Jesus says, my life, I lay it down. Nobody takes it from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. So what's Jesus saying? What he's saying is this. Jesus was going to subject himself To darkness. That's what he's saying. I lay down my life. Jesus knew he was going to be condemned falsely, but he submitted to that. He knew the Jews wanted him to be crucified, but he submitted to that. He was going to be put to death on a Roman cross, but he submitted to that. John, the 19th chapter, when Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said, do you not know that I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you? You know what Jesus said? You would have no power if it had not been given to you. (laughs) If I wanted... You wouldn't have me. I lay down my life. He submitted to all of that. 
to all the forces of evil, to the humility, to the cruelty, to the crucifixion, to the darkness, with all of its diabolical scheming and forces, it was brought together to bear upon Him that Friday, that day. And He was put to death. But death couldn't hold Him. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And about verse 56 and 57. Paul says, The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that's saying? If he had ever violated the law, then he would have sinned. And the sting of sin would have been death. But Jesus never violated the law. He never sinned. So therefore, he took away the sting of death. Death could not hold him. In Hebrews, the second chapter, the Hebrew writer said, He through death destroyed the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. So the one who is the light triumphed over darkness and over evil and all of its forces. And that's what Peter was talking about in Acts the second chapter on the day of Pentecost Acts chapter 2 of verse 23 Jesus or Peter referring to Jesus he said him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Death couldn't hold Light triumphed over darkness. 1 John 1, God is light. And light reveals, and light measures, and light quickens, light wins. That's what the resurrection is all about. In John 12 and verse 36, Jesus said, Believe in the light that you might become sons of light. That's God as light. If you're here this morning, you've never rendered obedience under the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'd encourage you to do that this very day. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you're a child of God and you've not been walking in that light and you need to come back and make your life right with Him, we encourage you to do that while together we stand and while we sing.